0: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe.
1: Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back
0: out to Adam. History title. Bang! with five seconds remaining. Is there
1: anything you don't gamble? Uh, Not really.
0: God. Butt. Oh yeah, so easily idiot.
2: Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your co-host Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we have the closest thing to real sports um, that we've had in a long time tonight.
0: Yeah, and luckily the
2: MJ doc is airing, so I'm really excited for that. All the stories that are
3: coming out around it, getting everyone excited. Um, I think, you know, the NBA playoffs are supposed to start this weekend. The Lakers probably would have been playing game one right now. So that had me pretty sad, but um, I'm, I'm pumped for them, MJ doc.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, high expectations everywhere. Um, The article I sent you earlier today about just kind of the making and uh, behind the scenes of how they basically got this footage uh, during the last season MJ was on the Bulls. Adam Silver basically asked for the access. He granted it, and for more or less for 20 years that footage sat there. Um, And and that story of basically how the – The guy went to MJ um, with the pitch. He finally took a meeting, and uh, he'd been shooting people down for years, and MJ essentially saw his portfolio, and he saw that he made the Allen Iverson uh, documentary, and he's like, oh, I love that one. He's like, all right, let's do it. And the timing just so happened to work out that it was the day uh, of the Cavs parade after they beat the Warriors in 2016. Tyler, that I mean, that had to have a huge influence on MJ, right? He wanted to just remind people how great he was and get the narrative out there about his career. So I think, I think the thing I'm most excited about for this documentary is just, like, the practice scenes and just see how intense and how insane he actually was on a day-to-day basis. What about you? Yeah, cause I think the thing
3: is throughout all these years you hear all these stories about how intense he is um his competitive streak all that but it's all kind of written stories he never had really video behind the scenes so we'll get that with this documentary and i think it'll come out you know if he was playing today with social media and everything everyone would think he's a huge a-hole um but it'll be cool to see that behind the scenes access um and
2: not just the written stories you've heard over the years Mm -hmm. i i am curious if they're going to touch. Some of the gambling stuff, which a notorious gambler, whether it's on the golf cart court or course god words, um, or playing cards in Atlantic City or on the dream team all throughout the years, um, so I am curious how much they actually touch that subject. Do you think they will I, th- I think it'll probably come up i
3: don't know how much it will just because this is documenting his last season, so i don't know if they'll bring up him going to baseball and all the uh, what do you call it, theories around that, if he's really kicked out of the league for a year and they're just kind of protecting him. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll definitely be interesting to hear. I watched the movie Rounders last night. Have you seen that before?
2: Yeah, with uh, Vince Vaughn.
3: No, with Matt Damon, but close. Um, <laughs> oh, maybe that's
2: Swingers. Yeah, that's Swingers. <laughs> Rounders is a poker movie, gambling, yeah, yeah. and they go to Ed, Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I have seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah,
3: so that got me kind of in the gambling uh, mindset, and they go to Atlantic City in one scene. So it's a good movie. Um, I'm, I hope they do bring it up with the MJ, because I think so many people like kind of know know about it,
2: but to hear what his you know thoughts are and what he says would well, would be good to hear. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Zach Lowe had Jackie McMullen on his podcast and she said she went to Birmingham the year that MJ played out there and just like thinking about that after winning three titles to go take a break to play baseball and like not be a good uh not much of a minor league player it's pretty cr- like imagine that happened today just like say yeah. af- after say LeBron won two in a row with the Heat that he just left to play like football <laughs> it, it would be surreal um
3: yeah i can't imagine it with social media that's what is so exciting about this documentary because his whole career was played without it so now seeing this all back and getting people's reactions on what he's really likes i think that covered up just the fact he didn't play in the social media era. covered up maybe he wasn't a great teammate all the time um so it'll be really cool to see and you know, this was supposed to come out during the NBA Finals, the off night of the Finals, which would have been awesome, especially if the Lakers were in it with, you know, LeBron obviously going for another championship. Um, but, you know, luckily they moved it up and I heard they were still working on the last episode, so mm-hmm. it's not like this is complete and ready to go. They're still putting it together, but luckily they moved it up and are giving people –
2: an escape during this time. Yeah, I'm sure the ratings are going to be incredible. I'm curious to see how the ratings of this compared to the NFL draft on Thursday night. What those actually look like, but uh, yeah, so we're all anxiously waiting. I'm sure. Week in, week out, we'll have more thoughts on it as this continues to go. But Tyler, we had a great interview with Dan Kustelski. He's the co-founder and CEO of Chalkline Sports, um, basically a free-to-play uh, game creator in the gambling space. They're the ones behind the Barstool Bets app. Um, and, and he's had a really interesting career. Former military guy, opened up his own book in South Africa. So this was a great interview with Dan, so definitely enjoy that. And on the other side... Tyler, do you want to announce what we're going to talk about on the other side? No, let's let's tease it out a little bit. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome on the Full Slate Airways, Dan Kustelski, co-founder and CEO of Chalkline Sports. Dan, how are you doing tonight?
1: Yeah, doing well. Thanks a lot for having me on tonight.
2: Yeah, excited to have you. So, Dan, you have a very interesting background here. You you were in the army, then you uh, set up some uh, sports betting businesses in South Africa. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and journey and sure, how, sure, how you sure. got started?
1: So yeah, so I grew up in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, long way away uh from from anything that I knew of as sports betting and online sports betting. I spent uh I spent about five years in the Army. I went to West Point and uh got out as a as a as an engineer officer, uh went into the army for five years and then um actually um decided that I wanted to move to, uh, you know, someplace a long way away and, uh, in South Africa was it. So I got there in 2002, uh, did my MBA in, in, in South Africa. And, and I always knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to earn a living in sports, uh, not, you know, as a decent athlete, not a great athlete, uh, played, played soccer and and football. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was always fascinated by the, by the sports world. And so I did my MBA in, in, in South Africa. And it was probably uh, probably about halfway through that, that Sepp Blatter uh, announced that the FIFA 2010 world cup was going to be hosted in South Africa. So it provided a great opportunity for me to, to stay there and, and, and work on it. And I did that for about four or five years, um, until uh yeah, and I was working for, you know, sports marketing agencies. Um and then and then, you know, as as it happens in countries and in jurisdictions where uh where sports betting is legal, you you get to know the, the, the gambling you know, the sports betting side of things. And so I went from Agency to, to to client and started a sports book with my now now partner. Um, he was the architect of the software, and and we launched a, a full on sports book in uh, in South Africa in 2009. Oh. So we ran that for about four years, and then we ended up selling it to a large land based casino group there in, in South Africa in 2013. Um, a couple years after that, I, I left South Africa, I had a wife and a couple of kids. And uh, and then moved back here to the United States. And that was in the midst of of the the DFS, uh, you know, the kind of the the upheaval um, where, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel were advertising like crazy. And, you know, there was a lot of legality discussions. And so I stayed away from that side of the world. and, And I went into online horse racing where I ran an online horse racing business for a couple of years. But. I think it was a 2016. My brother and I were talking during Christmas, or actually 2015. Um, we were talking during Christmas, and you know, he's like, "Hey, you know, I just he just got done selling a ticketing online ticketing business." Um, and yeah, he said, "Hey, you know, what's the next thing?" And I said, "Well, you know, I think it might be sport. I think it might be sports betting, to be honest with you." And so we started Chalkline line about uh, yeah, probably about I don't know five or five or six months after that.
3: It's. A- it's a great story. Two part question for you: One, yeah. how did you choose to move to South Africa after growing up in Nashville? And two, what yeah. was the sports gambling scene like in South Africa? Was it
1: comparable to
3: the U.S.? Uh, give us a little background on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I moved to South Africa. I'd met a I'd met a South African woman um, <laughs> when I was in the army, and 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 that is typically how most stories start for <laughs> a guy where a guy moves to some you know, foreign country. <laughs> Um yeah so it it was there's no no more uh you know more no more complicated than that. I, I would say that the, the the South African uh and and actually the African uh sports betting industry is is a pretty pretty interesting one. It's probably I mean I think the last time it, uh, that we we checked is probably about the size of, you know, Nevada, something along those lines. Um but but just um you know it was it's all predominantly soccer um lots of rugby and lots of cricket um, my particular book was was probably about 35 percent rugby i'd say 20-25 cricket and then uh a good bit you know probably 20-25 of soccer and and those are just you know that those are sports that you know just not you know not many americans really understand the the, the betting side of them um maybe football but uh or soccer pardon me but but But, yeah, so that was, you know, and and I would say that we were the first – we were one of the first – online sports books to not have horse racing because there was this stigma around around horse racing as a little you know slightly you know slightly older um, you know gents that, that that bet on horses and we just wanted to be young and, and pretty um, you know abrasive and, and pretty cutting edge um, with not just our tech but also with our brand and so you know we were one of the first ones to sponsor one of the local rugby teams and and so we got in there and and, and we were pretty gritty, um, you know with our brand but but yeah I mean it's 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 been growing oh man it's been growing for you know 20 twenty five percent for the past eight or nine years i mean it's it is it is singularly sports betting is singularly the biggest growth uh you know gambling vertical in in all of africa wow that's that's very interesting
2: so you go from yeah. south you go from South Africa you sell the business you come back start chalk line with your brother so you're the ceo your brother's the coo now tyler and i we've had this podcast for about a year and a half okay we'll say that's our that's that's our business um how is how is working with your brother been and then i guess tyler and i we can (laughs) we can also gripe about each other
1: yeah that that's funny um amazing i i mean look we we didn't live on the same continent for you know 14 years so so the, you know there was a lot of a lot of things that he did and a lot of things that i did um you know and and it was it was the odd occasion you know once every two or three years that we might see each other or hear from each other much um and and you know I, I i we you know we we think pretty similarly about um you know about about the world and so, you know, when, when he was looking around and he was like, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you think? And I was like, well, you know, sports betting um, and, and he, and he, you know, being in ticketing also like gave him a, a, a pretty interesting perspective. So the background that he had is not too dissimilar than, 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 than sports betting where, you know, if, if, if there's an act at a particular venue, you, you know, the act is announced, and then you know all these things happen, and then there's this live performance, and then there's this afterglow, and you're trying to get people to to, to come back to either the event or go see the act again, and that's not too dissimilar than, than sports betting. So when, when we sat down and kind of mapped it out, we were like, you know, this these are pretty similar, and so we you know we, we had a lot of you know had a lot of similarities there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, and and I'm, I mean he's he's my I'm the younger brother by the way, so um. I don't I don't know, but I don't know about I don't know about the two of the two of you. But but yeah, so, so I mean look I know I, I know I know where I sit in the in the pecking order. <laughs> if you had, if you had to guess
2: who's the older one between Tyler and I.
1: Yeah. I I would say I would say you.
2: Nice. Okay. Okay. Well, well I guess I'm COO. Tyler's CEO. Oh, Tyler, CEO. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan, how,
3: well, how did you work that one out? Being the younger brother, you got the uh, CEO title. Do yeah, you guys you just wrestle that one out, or how did yeah. you do that?
1: <laughs> no, that's it's it, a good it's a good question. We, but, 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 I mean, uh, th- there needed to be somebody who was like the head and the face, and and coming into America, and, and knowing that nobody. I, and, and this is this is still kind of true. I mean, there's just not a lot of experience of, you know, people, people with a lot of experience bookmaking. If you didn't come out of Nevada for the past 25 years, you know, why are you sitting in America with the experience of of, of you know, running a sports book, a legitimate licensed sports book? So we just felt like, you know, look, you know, Dan, you're kind of the subject matter expert. Joe wanted to, to 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 kind of run the operations of it all, and that was you know that's how we that's how we figured it all out.
3: Mm-hmm. And just on your guys' website, looking at some of the different clients you have, FanDuel, uh, Penn National, and you mentioned not a lot of expertise in this area. Like, what do you think when working with these different companies differentiates them in the space? Because when the ruling came down in 2018, making it legal, and, you know, state by state, it uh, became legal. Like, what do you think these different companies have to do to kind of differentiate? Because it feels like now everyone's trying to jump into the sports gambling market, and everyone's got, you know, a new app, a new product to roll out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, just just by uh, just by virtue of being in the sports gaming industry and, and kind of maybe being – Having gone through that that startup phase um, and that early stage business and being gritty about it, um, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings are just moved. They can they can just move faster uh, than, than than most of the land based casino groups. But but I would say that my experience with with the land based casino groups are that. When we sold our sports book to, to you know, and this was, a, a you know, an old established uh, land-based casino um, that, that had a group that had, you know, 13 casinos inside of South Africa. And the one thing that we learned was that it took a while for, the, for that loyalty database to, to come over and bet on sports, even though it was organic to the, you know, to the entertainment But um, it took them a little while. But once they came, it it was I I mean, it it was a it was a massive part of our business. In fact, I would say, you know, probably within three or four years, it was about 80 percent of all the business was coming from the loyalty database from that land based casino group. So when I look at the United States. Um, You know, I see Penn National, and they've got you know 41 properties in 19 states, and I, I see you know the MGMs and the Caesars, and and I and I can't help but think that that they've got a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, just to dig in with customers that they're familiar with. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of people that are on Caesars, you know, Total Rewards loyalty data program d- database. And those people are, are are ripe for Caesars just to say, hey, look, you know what? You guys spend, you know, so much money with us on hotels and you go to our casinos, you know, hey, here's a sports betting app, too. Um, and, and that's. That, that feels like a massive opportunity, and that's where the differentiator probably should be. Now, I'm not saying that that the, these companies have been quick out of the gate. I'm not even saying that that they're going to, you know, that they're going to make a massive impact over the next, you know, 12 months. But it feels like in the long run, three to four or five years, that those brands, um, you know, will 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 have an impact um, just because they've, you know, they've got a long history of of, of entertaining customers for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I
2: think piggybacking on that point uh, with Penn National and and their big deal with Barstool at the beginning of the year, which feels uh, decades ago at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, I know you guys on your website, you have a section about how you built out the Barstool Bets app, their free to play um, app, which is a big part of of what you guys do over at Chalkline. So um, a lot of our listeners are barstool fans. We'd be curious to know how how your uh how it was building out that app with them, and and even yeah. to the extent did you get to interact with some of the major personalities over there, be it Prez or Big Cat or Erica and Nardini, the CEO, and and how that went for you guys?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So first, you know, the first of all, I have I've been I've been I mean, I've been at this now for four years with Chalkline, and I haven't met a company that was so deliberate in their uh, decision-making as Barstool was. I mean, we had initial discussions with them, and it was pretty quickly we had contract, and we, we were rolling out um, you know, the Chalkline platform for them to build on top of so we were just we were we were not the front end they built the front end because they wanted to manage it and keep that pretty you know pretty tight and and make sure that the ui and ux was consistent with with, with what they had in their strategy which made perfect sense but with that 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 process was incredibly I, I felt it was really quick and and it was impressive to see um to to see that organization move move as quickly as they did um yeah i mean Joe was kind of more the point man um to, to deal with them just because he's got, you know, previous media experience. So I think he met a few of the, the personalities and um yeah, he went and talked to El Prez at some stage mm-hmm. and and uh yeah, just you know, just said, Look, you know, you, you've got this you've got this barstool bet- bets and you're gonna be talking about betting, you know, why don't why don't you know, why don't you try to you know, to offer these free to play games and and the games that we run that we ran for Barstool were, were pretty complicated. I mean, that was a live in play game. I don't know if you guys ever played it, but but I mean, it, that that is that that was designed um, for a, a pretty sophisticated sports better. You know, a, a new person coming on probably, you know, probably took them a little while to get to get used to it because you couldn't. There wasn't an awful lot that you could do prior to the game. There were a few markets, but once the games opened up, I mean, we would have forty-five or fifty markets that were available for you to bet on, and they gave you a thousand loyalty points, um, and then the winner on every game, uh, you know, was the person who turned that thousand loyalty points into, you know, as mo- as many points as they could in in the space of just that that game. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, they, 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 I mean, they were really clear about what they were looking for and how they wanted to execute it. And I mean, and they did it. And I, I mean, I, you know, that a uh, valuation of a hundred million in, you know, in, in whatever January of, of 2019 and a valuation of 450 million in February of 2020 is, is, is miraculous. Um, and you know, Certainly, uh, indication though of of how quickly they are able to to galvanize their their fan base and their stoolies and 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 get them to, you know, get them to play the games and and uh, yeah, just just how they make decisions, just in general, it's it was it's it was pretty impressive.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you guys said, that deal that went down between them and Penn National feels like years ago. Um, but p- pivoting to kind of the professional sports leagues. Which professional sports league, you know, just in the U.S., do you think is kind of the most innovative and most progressive when it comes to sports gambling? And then which one do you think has been kind of behind the eight ball?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's it's hard not to look at like, you know, NASCAR, who 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 has um, you know partnered up with one of the data companies to to you know to create their own um, you know sports betting feed. Uh, data feed i mean one of the biggest challenges around nascar is just that you know just being able to bet live on on those races is difficult getting the data right is difficult and so they just took the bull by the horns and said you know what we're gonna we're gonna you know partially own this ourselves the pga i thought was really interesting um it was really interesting how they are um you know the
0: they, they pretty
1: much partnered with with the Action Network and, and created an mm-hmm. affiliate where where they're earning revenues, where the PGA is earning revenues on golf betters that come into to GolfBet.com through through the Action Network, which I, I've never heard of a, of a league, uh, you know, being an affiliate, um, mm-hmm. you know, and directly and and directly earning revenues from um, you know from signups that that move from you know a particular site to to the you know to a sports book. I mean, that, that, those are, you know, that, that's pretty, that's and sports betting has been around for quite some time over on the other side of the pond. And I, and I haven't heard of, you know, that, that level of, of, um, I, I haven't seen a league get that close to those revenues, um, it, that, that I can remember. And, and that's, and that's pretty, I mean, that, that's pretty, uh, yeah, that's pretty innovative. Um, look, I mean, you know, on, on, yeah, you NBA know, does a pretty. NBA does a great job. I mean, they're pretty innovative, but they also understand like international, um, international marketing, and 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 they've seen their product in in so many other countries where sports betting is legal that it doesn't surprise me an awful lot that they've, you know, that they're that they're kind of one of you know they're certainly one of the more innovative of the of the big three or four. Um, I remember when – I remember at at G2E, which is a big conference here in in Las Vegas, um, every October, probably 25,000 people from the gambling industry, uh, probably across the globe, but more so it seems like a a U.S.-centric conference. And the the former commissioner of the NBA – oh, man, whose name escapes me. uh, David Stern. Stern. So Stern stands up, and he holds his phone up, and he says, look – you know i've got i've got hundreds of millions of people consuming my my nba through this device and they're also able to bet on this on my on my league with this same device and this was like 20 I think it was 2017, 2018, something like that. I mean, so, so this had been something that the NBA had been kind of mulling around for a while. And, and just when you've got that level of experience, um, you, you know, having, you know, people in those markets, you know, marketing your product, you, you, you tend to get a, you, you know, you tend to, you know, be, get a little bit of a head start maybe over over your, uh, you know, over the NFL or, or the NHL or Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: it is. uh, NBA seems to be pretty forward thinking with all this stuff. And yeah, I think the PGA really, at least in the U.S., is the first professional league to directly profit from sports betting um, in in terms of direct P&L, which is pretty, pretty fascinating move. And we'll see. I mean that's a game, right, Dan? Like your a lot of your free to play games you mentioned with Barstool are are yeah. kind of meant to capitalize on this idea of in play betting. Uh, do you sure. see golf as being one of the bigger opportunities in the U.S. for something like in play betting?
1: Ah, uh, you, you know what? Um my my experience of uh, running a book and just, just looking at, at um you know at the numbers out of New Jersey and Mississippi and all of these states now and certainly analyzing it out of Nevada. Um, it, it's really hard if if you're golfed to command you know maybe more than you know three or four or five percent of the of the handle for a for a sports book over the entire year i remember you know booking golf and and we would take probably 35 to 40 percent of our of our total golf betting would be on the masters Mm -hmm. and and then you know then the then the you know then the majors would probably take you know 75 percent of all the bets and then everything else was 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 minute, but golf was only you know two or three percent of my total handle it it was it just paled in comparison and and so i you know i look at i look at golf and i and i and i see what they're doing they're they're you know they're coming out uh, i m g um have just recently they've come out with a with a in play product uh that you know that they're trying to get into the market and i think it's with bet three six five right now in in europe um and and that's what that's what those that's what those leagues need to do they they need to be able to, um, you, you know, they need to be able to own that, own that data, that distribution of the data pretty, pretty closely and make sure that it gets out and, and, and is distributed, you know, on a, on a, on a pretty reasonable you know price point um, whereas the NFL everybody wants the NFL i mean and everybody's going to be trading the NFL so i mean you don't you don't you know they don't need to they don't necessarily need to own that data as much as 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 much as they do i will tell you i tell you where i see the league's going though is that it, it's it's less for me the league's well, we'll eventually get to the point where it is less about them being a net um, exporter of data, and they need to be net importers of data, because they have the ability to tell all the books that take their to take their data feeds. Hey, look, I want to know everything about all these people that are betting on my particular sport, and the more information that you can gather as a league, man, the more tickets you can sell, and the more merchandise you can sell, and and I mean, hopefully, they've got you know. You know, databases full of you know all the people that ever bought an NFL ticketer. Um, but when you combine that with all the people that bet on the NFL, I mean, now you're starting to put together you know big, huge data sets that um, that, that can probably you know sing some pretty interesting tunes um, on on how to grow the sport. Um, and 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 that's where that's where I think they they need to be a little more selfish uh, about collecting more data, um, you know, because right now all you hear about is, you know, who's distributing this data, who's distributing this data, but they need to think about, think about it the other way, I think as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully when football comes around
3: in September, people are allowed to go to the games and we get back to some normalcy. But during kind of, you know, the past month of this just crazy quarantine, everyone's gone under, everyone's right. talking about, you know, esports uh, betting and whatnot. Has that been something your company's been focused on? Helping develop those type of products.
1: So, so we we have not been asked specifically to to, to offer you know esports free to play games, um, and that's probably not to say that they don't exist. Um, well, let, let me rephrase that. In fact, they do exist. And NASCAR um, and their iRacing, uh, they've got their own app. Um, you know, I think it was I think it was twenty thousand or twelve thousand people. Played it last week, um, you know. Was picking who was going to win uh, the NBA Two K tournament. Uh, I think it's currently going on. Um, you know, is there's there's free to play games that are going on in, in that. But if we go to like you know CSGO GO and, and and League of Legends and that kind of stuff, I, I th- there's just not a lot of like. And this is this is this is. This is you know, probably a, a per, more personal opinion, but there's not a lot of betting that happens around around those types of games. And so when I, you know, when we talk to customers about, you know, we are funnel fillers for, for our customers and, and we're out there, you know, trying to, you know, trying to acclimate people to sports betting and provide them with markets and odds and educate them a little bit about sports betting before they actually, you know, put down 5 bucks on on you know the slate of SEC games to to you know to win to win 50 um you, you know the, the 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 esports are i mean it's it's yes it's What's available now, but but it feels like it's it's going to be temporary, um, just in, in my opinion. And and certainly, you know, when I look when you look across, you know, just some of the numbers from Nevada or anywhere else, um, you know, th- it's not a lot of sports betting that that's happening on on esports. Um, not to say that it's not engaging, and not to say that uh, you know there's not a, a massive industry behind it. But I think a lot of times people combine esports and sports betting, and and that's really I haven't seen you know that correlation really come to fruition much
2: mm-hmm. yeah i almost i almost think it's like a different end consumer than uh the the prototypical say sports better um yes it, it, right i think that they skew even younger than kind of Claps. the average sports better um and may may be more prone to betting that elsewhere than at a specific sports book, at this point at least. Of course, it's got to become more widespread for that to even uh, be, a, be a real market. So I guess we'll see, see what happens there. But just piggybacking on Tyler's question on the current pause in the industry, um, obviously all land-based casinos are shut down at the moment. Um, you have mobile markets in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia. You, you have a couple, right? In Iowa, a little yes. bit. Um, what do you think? What do you think this short-term stoppage, um, like what what will be um, the basically the cause is currently Corona. What will be some effects that'll come out of this stoppage, kind of industry wide? That um, that are that are your predictions?
1: Yeah, I mean look I, I I can't help but think that um you know that that states and are are going to maybe you know give mobile sports betting and mobile legalization uh, you know another couple of you know good hard thoughts um just simply because the data the data's it's 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 pretty I mean it's pretty um you know it's pretty authoritative that in Pennsylvania if you legalize sports betting you know you, you you get you know kind of what is it 10x of what uh you know what retail's going to do New Jersey's about that right now um you know in Mississippi you know where they where they where they legalized sports betting and, and only through retail outlets um, you know they, they probably haven't really seen the numbers that they that they want to see and so I just venture to say that um, y- you know th- that the discussion ab- about whether or not it's nice to legalize mobile sports betting might fall away and it might become more of a you know a public service um, you know just allowing people to not have to go into casinos and and not have to go register um, you know not forcing people into into these these very environments where, um, you know, where, where it's, you know, where it's forbidden to to, to go now. So I I do, I do think that that's going, that's probably going to happen. Um, And, and also, I mean, I just can't help but think that, that the, that the second half of 2020, whenever sports come back, I mean, it's just going to be, it's just going to be mayhem. Um, You know, I think it's, it's going to be exciting as a sports fan. I think that's, you know, and, and there's a lot of states that are looking to go live. You know, Michigan is, is one of those states where they've legalized already and they're trying to sort out regulations and, and they're trying to sort out timelines. Um, you know, Colorado is is talking about May the 1st. Um, you know, going live. Um, you know, I'm not so sure if those if those timelines are are still on on target. Tennessee is another state that is looking to, you know, they've already legalized and they're looking to to approve regulations and then roll that out. And Tennessee is mobile only. So, the, you know, the, the second half of the year I think is going to be you know quite an interesting one from a from a sports betting perspective, but in particular around mobile, where you know it's just it's proven that 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 it certainly provides you know Little, little more income to, to operators to uh you know to gambling operators to sports books and, and to the states themselves
3: yeah I think people are especially trying to just get any taste of gambling on normal sports you know right now should be the national championship game for uh, college basketball and missing out on march madness people are pretty upset about but for you personally do you sports better is it kind of like you see how the <laughs> sausage gets made you say why <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh yeah you know what uh I know my own biases, and so I have no business betting on sports. <laughs> uh, look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Twins Vikings, um, you know, T-Wolves uh, fan. I, you know, I went to, to West yeah. Point, so I'm an Army fan, and I, I grew up in, in Tennessee, so I'm a, I'm a bit of a UT fan. And and so it's it, it just I, – I just can't get around, um, you, you know, I just can't get around backing my, my team, which is not – which is completely what you're not supposed to do, (laughs) but, but it's fun. And, and, you know, the bets are, are normally no bigger than $10. So, um, yeah knowing how the sausage is made and knowing how, and just having i mean having run a book for so long it is really really hard to beat a bookmaker like it's really difficult and i know that if you listen to twitter um you know there's all these guys saying hey you know i always get i always get uh, you know i always get my account uh, you know closed or i get my account um you know limited but but over the long haul it it's just it's really really difficult to beat the bookmaker um and so so yeah, I just I, I do realize it is what it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah uh, we know that a little bit all too well ourselves. <laughs> um so what are your before before uh we we lose you here, Dan, what uh what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins as your quarterback in the Vikings?
1: Oh, man, <laughs> barely good enough. <laughs> that sounds barely about right. Barely, barely good enough. I, look, what do you, what do you, what do you do? You know, you, 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 I couldn't, I can't, I can't fault them. And I'm a huge fan of our coach. You know, he's such a rock star. But I just, I, how do you let your quarterback? How do you let a quarterback like that go when you know that it's just hard to find that, to find a quarterback that can that can take you there. Um, yeah you know it's a lot of money and it's gonna it's hurts you know digs left um you you know but but hopefully we can you know hopefully we can bring in some some cheaper receivers and and we need to shore up our o-line our defense is pretty solid even though we're losing griffin so i mean we've got a couple of people you know that um that are that are leaving but uh, yeah it just it just feels like um I don't know I just feel like another 10 and 6 and a and a maybe a win in the playoffs but then you know you know exited after that feels like that's probably on the on the cards for for this coming up year yeah, yeah.
2: go ahead tyler yeah, yeah give you, your give your uh, give your two sons on Kirk cousins <laughs> Yeah, I'm,
3: I'm a pretty big Kirk Cousins hater. I feel like I've been <laughs> re- proven right uh, nine times out of ten whenever we talk about it. He did, you know, he did help them win the playoff game versus Saints this year when no one really thought they would. So, gotta oh, gotta put my cap to him there. But they're just in that spot where, like you said, you could give him up, but you don't know if you can get a better quarterback. So you're just kind of forced to pay him. So I, f- I feel like they're kind of stuck in no man's land there. And like you said, ten and six, maybe win a game.
1: Yeah, I you know I I don't know I mean I, I was a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan, um, and he hurt himself in at, at the Vikes, and then he went and he backed up uh, he backed up Breeze and and now he's just signed a, a big deal. You know it, I, when he got hurt, it just it just crushed me because I, I felt like he might have been. You know, one of those guys that could probably, you know, you could you could hold on for a while. That that felt good. The team was good. That you know, they they hadn't spent you know an awful lot on 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 some of the crazy uh, you know free agencies and stuff. But we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, being a Vikings fan has just been torture yes, I for five years. So I mean, if it, it, I, it just yeah, it's just it's just been it's just been painful. So you know, I don't know. I can't expect it, it to be any any different. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we'll see. I uh I took your side a little bit then on the podcast where at the beginning of the year I predicted that the Vikings would win the division. They had good odds. And the thing yes. with Cousins was I mean, that that take really blew up in my face the first few weeks of the season and then as the season went on he got it together. He yeah. had a he had a nice season. He had his big moment in New Orleans, like you mentioned, yes. Tyler, and like the foundation is so strong there. It's just like okay, just don't crash the car. Just like stay in the right lane, go like fifty-five to sixty, and That's and right. you'll and you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a roller coaster to say the least in terms of betting yeah. on him. On a weekly basis. I, I mean, I'm,
1: I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna take five bucks whenever I go out to Vegas, and I'm always gonna put it down on the Vikings to win. And I think, you know, the last year it was like twenty to one to win the, to win the Super Bowl. I, I'll do it again this year, you know. But, but I mean, I, that's, that, that's the extent of my faith.
2: Yeah, and, and, and annual write-off. <laughs> right,
1: that's right. I, I just, I gotta have the ticket just in case it all, you know, just comes to fruition. I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It feels like so long ago that they had. Teddy Bridgewater is only five, four or five years ago and then they brought in Bradford and had and they were successful with Keenum, but yeah, it must be and you also mentioned you're a Twins fan, so do you wake up with nightmares just playing the Yankees in the playoffs every every year? That's a good bet.
1: That's been tough. That, that's that been tough. But I, what I will tell you, though, is that, like, when you live somewhere, uh, you know, in another country and on another continent for as long as I did, like, you lose touch of the true culture of of, of where you came from. So, I mean, like, I've, I, you know, I've, I tracked, you know, the Vikes and the Twins and the t Wolves you know, from a, from a long way away. And I didn't come back. You know, I left in 2002 and I came back in 2015. That's a long time. So when I got back, man, I felt like a little bit of an alien in my own country, you know, but, but mm-hmm. so, but, but I mean, so I wasn't like, I wasn't like, you know, eating and sleeping and breathing, you know, twins and vikes and, and, and T-wolves mm-hmm. just because it was hard to, hard to find that information. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm
2: sure. Yeah. Not a lot of Minnesota Vikings fan meetups. In, no. Uh, up. <laughs> no, so. no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome, Dan. This is this has been great. Um, so, where can our listeners find you and uh, Chalkline Sports on on Twitter and I guess just generally?
1: Yeah, they can they can just hit us up at at Chalkline Sports or at DJ Kostelski, um, or if they just go to www.chalklinesports.com, they will they will find us. And I am incredibly good at getting back to people.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Have a uh, good night.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
2: With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, sells hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live, daily, Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, Stock Prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open, 24 hours a day, and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online your online wagering solution. And thanks again to Dan for coming on. A lot of fun
3: learning about his background, chalk line sports, and talking a little NFL. Now, Cody, let's move on to what we want to wrap up the show with. And we talked about getting the MJ doc, you know, moved up this weekend, a little escape for us. Another escape we found this weekend, a Netflix new show, Too Hot to Handle. Another kind of garbage reality dating show, (laughs)
2: but I, I loved it. Yeah, so if anyone has not listened or not listened, anyone has not watched Too Hot to Handle. Uh, spoiler alert! Yeah, this this show, um, you you are more bullish on it than I am. I very much enjoyed it. You loved it. I wouldn't I wouldn't drop the L bomb personally on it. I liked to love is blind more, um, but we don't need to compare everything. That's a fault of my own here. This show was, like, very MTV-esque in terms of the producing and the way it was put together. Um, but you know what? I have to say, I was finished with the show by its eight episodes. I was done by Saturday at 5 p.m. So say, say what you will, but it was the most mindless watch of all time, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I laughed quite a bit. Um, the show, I mean, like, the, the island they were on, it was in Mexico. I looked it up. It looked absolutely incredible like it looked like every day they legitimately got perfect weather and all these people are absolute beasts. Um, every, everyone's attractive on the show for the most part and uh it's it was it was quite the watch experience. Where do you want to start here, Tyler? I'll since since this is one of your passions, I'll let you I'll let you take the ball and run with it. We can go from there. Yeah, first off you said
3: everyone was attractive for the most part. That seemed directed at a couple people. Yeah, we don't have to name names. Okay. Um, I I guess just comparing it to Love is Blind, because that was another dating show Netflix put out during all of this. Um, Like you mentioned, kind of all the scenic shots of the island they're on, it was awesome. So it was really cool. Like Love is Blind, they do go on that, you know, Mexico vacation also. I think they were Mm -hmm. uh, for a little bit, but most of it, they were in the pods, which was... I mean, it was a good show, but like that got a little old and there was no like scenic aspect to that. And then they're back in Atlanta and it was just uh, Jessica saying Mark was 24 and she was 34. Um, so I just liked the scenic aspect of it and just how ridiculous the plot of the show is. Um, so they basically put all these very good-looking people on an island. They know they're on a dating show. They don't know really the premise of it. And then they find out that, there's a prize pool of $100,000. They don't know who gets it, how it's divided up, and the one rule is they can't have any physical contact, um, and if they do, they lose money. So that's how the show plays out, um, and there's, like, an Alexa device that's called Lana that really offers a lot of good quips. The, I thought the uh, narrator was very good as well. mm mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of the background on the show. So, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was great garbage TV. I watched six episodes
2: yesterday. I think the thing was with it, the whole thing with the prize pool was pretty funny because ultimately at the end they walk away, they split it, what, ten ways? And after taxes, it's really not. It's far from a large amount of money, I'd say. So I think the, the thing is... <laughs> Kels, for instance, so he's kind of the six seven beast of a of a of a dude, and he was like i'm not i'm gonna be the accountant I'm gonna make sure no one loses money for us like Kels here's the thing unless one person walks away with all of it, which was really realistically that was never going to be the way they are gonna do this um it, you might as well have some fun while you're here. Make a name for yourself. You'll get a little bit of a social media following from it, and you can parlay that into sponsors and more money, or just really a good time. Like to me, I Kels he made me laugh when he's like, "I don't, I don't come to women; they come to me." Thought that was a, that was a pretty uh, badass comment, and it ended up being true. But then he had the moment with Francesca, but he just like. Be Like, step up into the limelight, Kels. This is your time to shine. And you're like, oh, I, I'd i prefer to have $2,800 after tax. Like, that's probably the better move. Like, come on, Kels.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, but he gave himself that nickname, the accountant, so he'd be a hypocrite if he went around, you know, making out with people going further than that, costing them money when he was getting on everyone's case about how they can lose money. So he, he'd be a hypocrite in that sense. He plays... Uh, football in London, and I'm looking at his team's Instagram page, the London Warriors. They're, they're absolutely incredible. Maybe the best dynasty we have in sports. They won the championship in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 18, and 19. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's on a good team. Uh, the Warriors don't just run the NBA, but uh, apparently London football. Um, but you mentioned Francesca. She, her her and Harry were kind of the it couple of this show every dating show has one they were kind of the focus of the whole show they they get off to a hot start uh harry kind of throws francesca under the bus in front of the whole group of people then francesca kisses Haley to get revenge on everyone she dates kells she goes back to harry she goes on a date with Corey. she was all over the
2: place um yeah, let's let us let us do so in honor of the NFL draft starting on Thursday. Um, we're gonna do our top. We're each gonna choose our top three prospects from too hot to handle snake draft style. Tyler, again, I'll I'll be courteous. I'll let you take the first overall pick. You started going into Francesca a little bit. I imagine she's gonna be your first overall pick, but you're on the clock. I'll let you you get started here. And I think throughout the draft we'll be able to hit on a lot of our key talking points here.
3: Um, she's actually not going to be my first pick. I don't know wow. how. I don't know how we're
2: drafting. Like what these teams are for. Um, but just prospects, so you got to fill out a roster. I mean, some people draft for positions. Others draft just the best talent. Time and time again, it's probably a good move to take the best talent. But who are you possibly taking if it's not Francesca? So my my first pick. <laughs> my first pick is David. I thought he was the clear uh, leader.
3: I thought he was the clear leader of the group. Um, he's just an absolutely selfless guy. You know, he was into Rhonda, but then he saw his best friend Sharon was into her as well, and he he took himself out of that to let Sharon and Rhonda's relationship grow, Sharonda uh, for short, which it did. So that was an absolutely selfless move. That's a guy you want in your foxhole uh, during a quarantine, during anything. He was super upbeat. Um, he was he was. He's a great guy, um, so he's my first pick. Um, during when they're doing, when they're looking into each other's souls during that workshop, he just started crying. I thought that was wild. Uh, so I, I liked. David was just very steady
2: throughout the whole thing. This is such a bad pick. I I put together a list of in case we had overlap. I've a list of basically six here, and David's not even on on my board. Uh, but how
3: how are we? are you just picking females um, i don't know. No, no
2: i'm picking so my thought process was i'm i'm picking the people that are going to bring the most eyeballs to say a spin-off show or just Basically, making the most money post show. That was kind of my thought process here. Like, who's who's the most electric of the bunch? Who's going to have the most uh, shelf life post show? That's what I thought about it. David, a really nice guy. Like, would I want to hang out with David? And I don't know, have him do one of my like take one of his workout classes? Sure, great. Seemed pretty normal, but like he he goes for he goes for, for uh Ronda first, like you said. He kind of. Is he's like okay, Sharon? Go for that. He goes for Chloe. That doesn't really work. Um, he was he was fine. He was he was just nice. But like to me, I, he's not he's not my first overall pick here. I think that's a wild choice, Tyler. But well, well,
3: I didn't know we were going the the spinoff route. If that was the case, then, yes, my pick would have been different. I was just going for my you know favorite characters on the show who i trust in these scenarios david was a great friend um and i think we see very differently on chloe because
2: i'll i'll let you go with your next two picks okay cool um so i mean I, i'm in a great position here my top two on the board are still here i have to go francesca one you already mentioned it um Can I trust her? Definitely not. But she made the show. Um, Highest upside player. uh, Like, Hall of Fame potential. Francesca, we definitely have not seen the last of. And she she knew what she was doing, right? Like, the beginning, she latches on to Harry and kind of goes that route. Harry's bubbly guy, vivacious, seems to be the life of the party. Uh, sees what happens after they kiss. She gets totally thrown under the bus. She makes out with Haley, which is a villain move, and they don't admit to it. And they lose everyone three thousand more dollars. And then she goes back. Wait, no. Then she goes to Kels, right? And like that. That whole thing, That whole thing's wild. And then back to Harry. They fall in love. Then new Corey comes on, who's the the stud muffin of the house. She goes on a date with him. The thing I will say about Francesca is if she really wanted to be the true villain and solidify herself, she would have I think she would have gone for Corey and just absolutely shatter Harry. I'm happy she didn't. I am team Harry and and Frankie. Um and and Francesca also had the 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 quote uh what'd she say? I don't even know the number for nine one one. Um <laughs> So, you know, you know so she, she she she's like, I mean, she's like Kardashian light. Um, uh, Francesca is we have not seen uh, the last of her. That that I will say for sure. So she's my she's my first pick. Yeah, she definitely has great shelf life going forward with any spinoffs. I mean, she has a
3: huge Instagram following already, and the show just came out. She's over four hundred thousand followers. She's an entrepreneur with her own clothing line. She's vegan. Uh, so, I mean, I've no. <laughs> No problems with that. Um I had one other point and I how forgot. Much, how,
2: how much do you regret taking David?
3: I, I don't regret taking him. I regret the format of what we were picking people for.
2: Uh but how much money do you think
3: she cost the house? Which she ends up making up on the last night, but do you know how much?
2: Uh yeah, hold on. Oh, oh. no, I know. I, was, I, I, I think it's like twenty five K. No,
3: thirty-two thousand, <laughs> which she ends up reimbursing them uh, the last night by not uh, having any physical contact with Harry in the fantasy suite. So she makes up
2: for it. Um, who's who's your second pick? Okay, my second pick. Uh, I'm a little torn here, but I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go with my third person on my board. So I'm going with Sh- uh, Sharon. He's from New Jersey so of course we're a little partial to him. I think I believe he's from Camden. I think I saw online. He comes in as kind of the party boy, falls in love with Rhonda, then he gets cold feet a little bit, but ultimately they become boyfriend girlfriend. It's very sweet. Um unconfirmed whether they're still together. Haven't been able to find anything on that. She brings up that she has a kid. He's supportive. Um so it seems like a really just solid guy and the thing that really sold me on Tron and doing my uh, quick internet research—he uh, was apparently in Creed 2 Tyler, uh, I, I can't find what his role was, but I saw that he also was in a Fetty Wap music video. Um, and I think Sharon kind of s- stole the limelight pretty early when he had the his comment about taking a, a nude pic of himself uh, with a Lysol can next um, for, <laughs> for scale. So Sharon, Sharon's my second overall pick here. You know, you criticized me
3: for the David pick. I don't see how Sharon's any better. Another just nice guy. I don't think he. If we're if we're going off your criteria of you know spin offs and being in the limelight, I don't I don't see Sharon. He was he's was a nice guy. The whole Sharonda thing, I think, got it, it got old quick for me. It was all can Sharon open up? Can he move on? That was like the whole plot line for four episodes. Yeah, he so did. Yeah, he did. It was great, but <laughs> I got I got pretty over it. Um. So I don't, I don't, I think David was just better. David was a better friend. Um, so, yeah. Sharon was just like, he was just there for me. The, uh, his,
2: the Creed Two thing really sold me on Sharon when I was, when I was debating between my pick here. Um, so tiebreaker went to Sharon. What's your, what's your second pick, Tyler?
3: All right. Now my second pick um, <laughs> probably the most emotional part of the series. And when I felt the most emotional, when uh, Matt, left aka jesus uh so i'm going with matt as my second pick um he leaves the show at the end of episode 6 i believe he just he wasn't connecting with anyone on a romantic uh you know level so he decided to leave and I, I did feel sad. The people on the show were getting upset. That was, you know, their big brother, their spiritual spiritual leader. When he left, I, I did feel upset as well. So that's my second pick. Um, like I said, he was kind of the big brother to everyone, giving advice. When they lost the second $3,000, he showed that he could be kind of investigator, detective. And he was trying to uncover <laughs> who did that, and he's spot on with Francesca and Haley. So that's that's my second pick. <laughs>
2: no one's watching your show ever. What do you think about when when Matthew is trying to hit on Madison? That was
3: tough, but I'm not.
2: <laughs> I didn't like I said. What, I what do you? What, you what, what kind of what kind of spin off show are you going for? I'm curious. Like maybe like a like some. I, I think the two people you have right now are best fit for like a talk show where people, like, open up to them and cry. Like, yeah, I, like I a can see that
3: Like a motivational okay. show. So, that's, okay. Okay. Um, given the times we're in, we need some motivation and positive attitude. So, those are the two guys I'm going with. Um, like I said, I didn't know what the format of how we were picking these people <laughs> was going to be. Now that it's played out this way, that's the way I'm going. Um, like I said, if I'm in a foxhole with David and Matt, I know they got my back.
0: Um, if I go out to a
3: bar with them... Um, you know, I know they'll, they'll help me out in any way possible. So those are my guys. Um, cool. So now do I have, have an, my last pick? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, I'm eyeing someone. I'm going to be pretty upset if you take them. I don't. Um, uh, you want to run down if who's left right now? I know who's left. I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, hmm. See, here's the issue: you're not going to have a great third option for your little talk show. You know what? I'll <laughs>
3: I'll, I'll go with Bryce to uh, round out my my uh, inspirational team. Uh, he came on. He's from L.A. He's a party boy. He said he hooks up with a girl every day. It's impressive. Um, he has a he has he has a boat and he has boat party. So I'd love to be on one of those that'd probably be a good time um so I'm gonna go with Bryce. I feel like he really came he he transformed a lot on the show, like I said he came in very high expectations that he was just gonna hook up with everyone that didn't end up happening. He gets shut down by Chloe, but he, he kind of didn't really care um and then he tells a story about how he was bullied when he was a kid, and that really uh shaped him into kind of becoming superficial, um, but it seemed like he was breaking that down and learning a lot about himself. He made a lot of progress, so I'm taking Bryce to round out my
2: squad. I'm pretty pretty upset right now. That's who I really wanted as the third leg of, of my trio here. Um, have you looked up his Instagram account, Bo Chronicles? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> highly recommend it. It looks like it could be, like, maybe the outtakes of the Firefest promotional video. Um, so I really don't know if this is for real, if it's really his boat. Everyone is very attractive. It looks like they're having a great time. I Again, if this if Bryce is actually having these parties, he's a great person to have. I think he really embarrassed himself early when he's playing the piano. It was, it was a little tough to watch. Extremely overconfident. Um, I think, like you said, he he kind of transformed throughout time. He made me laugh a lot. He came in, he was so cocky, and it just like didn't really pan out for him on the show. But I need to know what's going on with his boat. Um, so yeah, boat chronicles on Instagram. He's got about thirteen thousand followers. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at it now, and so the show was. Uh,
3: they did the show last year, like at this time, and looking at the Instagram now, a lot of the posts are from uh, like people on the show or on his boat. Lydia, Kels,
2: Matt. So I, I, I would love to go to one of his boat parties. Would love, to, would love to. And Bryce just is like <clears throat> felt like an all-time fedora guy. It's like why, why is he always wearing a fedora? He's just like that personality type. Um, okay, well I'm jealous. I'm jealous you scooped him up. Uh okay, so in terms of my third pick, uh, it's gonna be a weird dynamic here, but I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with Corey as my third. Uh, he came in as the new guy. He quickly has a fling with Chloe. She's excited to go on a date with him. Corey gets the chance to take someone out. He chooses Francesca o- over over Chloe. It destroys Chloe, um... And earlier in the day, he's talking to Harry, and Harry's like, "Yeah, man, have fun. Like, don't get tied down." And he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna steal your girl." So, I, Corey, Corey, you have to give him some credit for for doing that. He went straight for the top of the pyramid. Um, Francesca said he was attractive, and and I'll give them a chance to maybe have another fling here, in in a in a off of some sort. I uh, can't knock his effort. Um, so I think I'm going Corey. And I, the the trio I've assembled, I'm not really sure what we're doing here. I think we're just going to kind of ride Francesca's coattails. She's that much of a franchise player. Like, this feels like uh, some of the early LeBron Cavs teams where he's just the guy. Um, so that's uh that's my third that's rounded out um yeah i i feel like we're in our fantasy football league we do together like after the draft like we always say this to each other
3: like i hate your team um francesca francesca's the only person who i wanted that you took um i guess i could have got in david later i didn't realize he was so low i mean you you hit on the head you're like you're, like, I wouldn't even say the 07 Cavs I got to the finals. You're, like, 05, 06 Cavs with LeBron getting them to the playoffs, losing to the Pistons. Yeah. Um, Francesca's a superstar. She's an A. Uh, she's But the other two people you took were, like, I don't even know, like, Booby Gibson and, like,
2: Drew Gooden. I, I don't know. I think your team is terrible, so I feel yeah. good about my team. I feel I think, very balanced. I think, I think Corey's a pretty great heat check guy to have around. You know going into any battle – He's going to believe in himself. I think that's important to have. Sharon was an all-time glue guy. Everyone on the show loved Sharon. Everyone was cheering for him and Ronda. Again, we don't know what's happening there, but I like Sharon. I like his energy. He's good to have around. He's going to be supportive. Kind of feels like he could be the host of the show and kind of play off people. The banter. Everyone's all about the banter. Corey has banter. Um, So we'll see. I think... You just can't, you can't doubt the greatness of Francesca. She's going to bury everyone. She's a superstar far and wide, so thank you for letting her slide to two. It's much appreciated. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad you didn't choose Haley, Tyler, because she, for me, Miss, miss Irrelevant, um, definitely the last pick of the draft. Why did Haley decide to go on the show?
3: I don't know. She, she she just had a negative attitude. I didn't really like her. Um, she seemed like, at the beginning, her and Francesca were going to be kind of the villains, but Francesca kind of, I think, by the end, everyone liked her. Um, so Haley stunk. Uh, uh, Corey is just going to tear that team apart. He has no loyalty whatsoever to anybody. So I I see you're you're probably going to have to trade him in a salary dump and take on some bad contracts just to get his toxic personality off your team that's
2: Um, gonna make that's gonna make for a good tv though david will just be like oh that's okay bryce that's gonna be your that's gonna be your whole tv show i just know in a time like this where
3: it's (laughs) easy to get down and have some negative thoughts if i'm surrounded by my three guys i'm gonna have a great time and always be
2: upbeat. you know you can't go on bryce's boat right now probably right there's gonna be too many he's gonna prioritize all the ladies over here (laughs) It's probably true, but once once boat seasons back like, we'll be on the boat,
3: I'm surprised you didn't take Chloe. I thought you I thought you were a fan of hers.
2: I do love Chloe. she was on my board um i I love when Corey and the new wave are coming. she's like, nobody tell the new guy how dumb i am um, she, so she was, she's
3: she's very self aware yeah, I thought gosh, I couldn't stand her she, like she was so into David at first. They go on a date that doesn't work out. Then Bryce shows up, and she's, like, in love with him. Then she isn't no, into him, answer. like, no. an hour later. And mm-hmm. then she's into coring. She finally gets a little taste of her own medicine. So I wasn't a huge Chloe fan, but what I did love about the show is how they had people, a lot of people from uh, the U.K., uh, Harry's from Australia. Just all the different,
2: like, vocabulary terms they were using. I thought it was great. Yeah, where Harry saying oregano. Oregano. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was pretty good. Harry, Harry was high on my big board, but I don't know. He's he'd be great to have around, but
1: I, I can't pair up. Them.
2: I can't pair up Francesca and Harry on the show. I just don't. I don't want lovebirds. I want chaos. Um. So I I do regret giving myself. Just being honest here, uh, in terms of my draft, I should have paired up Bryce and Francesca just to get the boat and have Francesca's personality at that point. Everything else is gravy. Plus, he plays piano, Tyler. Mm-hmm. The
3: team I was <laughs> going for was just gray locker room presence. Mel Kiper, love my draft.
2: Um, just yeah, locker room fest, guys. Snooze, snooze fest, like you know those apps where it's just like uh, maybe raindrops or waves. Like uh, if if you need help going to sleep, I think that's that's the kind of program you're putting together over there. You're,
3: you're sleeping on <laughs> you're sleeping on David. He was yeah,
2: such was. a such a selfless friend. To oh. <laughs> yeah so nice just getting pushed around by everyone um yeah no that's that's good that's good i'm happy you got him um but i think i think that wraps it up tyler do you have do you have anything else here no i'm good i
3: feel like we could go back and forth uh for hours on our teams but i feel good about my squad um so yeah i'm excited for the mj doc tonight (laughs)